Some more questionable hat choices. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. And this is Super Sentai's Strongest Battle, Episode 3, A Secret Reveal. And Episode 4, Heading Toward Tomorrow. Our episode writer for both of these was again Naruhisa Arakawa. Our director is still Koichi Sakamoto. Boy, the the goat and, and everyone's like, hashtag problematic fave. Like, he's not even a problematic fave. Sakamoto, because I'm just like, like his action things, but also maybe we should just put him in a basement somewhere. Problematic guy that we let show up and do a movie sometimes. Yeah, like, it's... Uh-huh. Like, I'm not gonna get mad at Arakawa, because he's just writing this stuff. Someone else is someone else is doing everything else, and Arakawa pretty much is bulletproof as far as I'm concerned. I don't know about anyone else. Pretty much. I mean, he'd have to mess up pretty hard, is what I'm saying. Again, he did Kuga. Yeah. Admittedly, it was also with like him and and Toshiki Inoue and uh, Shigenori Takadera before he just kind of told Toei to go hang. But anyway, Arakawa did Kuga and Decker Ranger and Gokaiger. So I mean, and he's just, he's just been all over all the best things. Yeah. Um, again, just in in Lupot. He did that one episode where I'm like, oh no, I love one cop. Because, <laughs> sorry, like, I liked Keiichiro before that episode. Do not get me wrong. Like, I was like, hey, he's cool. I mean, look how he's killing himself to get that crappy kid his stupid field trip. <laughs> like, look, how can I not like that guy, right? But then, then we just have, I, I can only chase one thing at a time. It's not ideal, but that's what it is. I'm like, oh no. Oh no. He's admitting to just having difficulty existing as both a police officer superhero and a human who would like some love in his life, but he just can't find time for it right now. And it's like, oh, I just, I really like to hope that once he actually finally catches those lupins, which is never going to happen, Oh man, now I'm depressed. Now I'm really mad at the Lupins. Like, Lupins retire so this dude can get his... can go to Germany and maybe go and establish a long-distance thing with that girl or something? I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Um, Narhisa Arakawa uh, is, is indeed the GOAT, greatest of all time. I don't make the rules. It's just true. But then there's Koichi Sakamoto, who sometimes does some some nice fight scenes, but also... Should just not questionable. Work. Yeah, like again, some good stuff. And hey, to his credit, he didn't like ogle the the thighs of a of like a thirteen year old girl. So for once, yeah. Um, <laughs> like this is this is one of those things where like everyone in the audience looks very confused but they're kind of clapping cuz i mean good he didn't weirdly sexualize kagura that's i mean good but i mean looking at some of his other work you kind of expected him to you know i mean like look i watched girls in trouble <sighs> and I have regrets. Yeah, I didn't watch Girls in Trouble. I did watch the Space Squad thing. But there was still, like, a really uncomfortable amount of time where he's just like... 
I mean, first off, there's all the, the movies where he's like, hey, here's a lady in, in hot pants. Let me just zoom in on her thighs for a long time. Yeah, there was, in fact, Dr. Hot Pants. Yeah, and like, mm, that's weird enough on its own. And I'm but sure there's... I'm sure we talked about that when we discussed Dr. Pac-Man, and one day I'll finish editing that show. I'm just like, there's that, and then there's the Space Squad special, where it's just like, wow, do we have to keep, like, focusing on this girl being in pain and, like, screaming? See, this that's is... the entire first ten- the first ten minutes of Girls in Trouble is literally, like, a time loop sequence of that girl, Umika and Jasmine, and one other lady just getting murdered over and over. With, like, his camera work. Oh. And it's... Again, I don't... I don't problem. like to... I, you know, it is very rude and disrespectful to the profession and to, to persons like myself who have various mental issues to psychoanalyze people through the media they make. That said, it certainly is an interesting pattern that those are the sorts of things that keep happening and things he does. Yeah. I'm not saying we draw any conclusions about him as a person, but boy, it sure is an interesting pattern that, again, sort of implies to me that maybe he shouldn't be doing these things. Maybe. I mean, again, like, I love Common Rider Forza. Y'all know I love Common Rider Forza. I love Common Rider Forza Ultimatum, because that is some of the best Forza bits ever. And and it, it brings back you know, brings in this new version of Inazuman, and honestly, there's there's one of my favorite common writer Forza bits, but also in there, boy, there sure was a lot of zooming in on a fourteen year old girl's ass. At least I think I, I don't know how old these girls are, but they are I mean she in the story is in they were high in high school. school and uh, it's not okay. Uh, you know, again, please don't. No one tell me like cultural differences, but I don't. I don't. We don't. Care. I know that none of the people who listen are the type to do that. And if you are, don't. Just don't. Just don't. Like you can think it. I don't. That's. I can't stop you. Don't. But I don't we don't. Talk we don't want to. We don't want to have a conversation about it. Anyway, let's. Um. I just. I just. It is really funny. It's not funny. It's it's just interesting to me. There's like there's just a the writer, most of the actors just can do no wrong for me. And then there's Koichi Sakamoto, where I'm just like, hooray! We didn't look up a girl's skirt, which I hate that that's a thing that you have to be hooray about. But once you know it's Koichi Sakamoto, like you worry uh, about these things. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, sometimes you go to see a movie, and, like, it, you know, it's a dude directing a movie about a lady who, fine, I'll say it, is, is like, attractive, and you're just, you're just like, please don't let this be a pervy thing, don't let this happen. And then it doesn't, but you're still like, wow, it says a lot about the culture in which we live that I worried about it. Anyway, Sono, why don't you talk about, like, some better things that, that aren't just us rehashing for the nth time, like, hey, Koichi Sakamoto, stop being a creep. Okay, so a thing that I don't think we discussed, or at least not in detail, 
on the first half of Strongest Battle, but that I know was a fan theory going around was the plot of Strongest Battle's connection to Zoo Ranger. Um, Nemesis is the name of the planet that Bandora was sealed onto in the beginning of Zoo Ranger. That's where she wakes up from. And obviously, Rita is the name given to Bandora when Saban adapted Zoo Ranger into Power Rangers. And Rita even throws her staff to summon the monster. And I know some people speculated, or at least I had heard that some people had speculated on Rita being Lamy and Griffizer's child. Um, though in a very Lion King 2 turn of events, that would be a big retcon since they had a son, unless Rita is trans, and I welcome that deeply in my heart. Hey, look, Laser Knees says trans rights. Laser Knees does say trans rights. Bring it. I'm here for it. Um, but I feel like that is not where Toei is coming from, because that's not, the, it, yes. that's not the place Toei would come from, but I'll take it. If that's what you want to believe is going on... I 100% support you. Anyway, um, but the way that Rita describes her growing up situation, it seems possible that she was just from when and where the Zoo Rangers were originally from and grew up while the planet was falling into ruin under Rita's wrath, granted by Die Satan, who is the same being that Rita is trying to summon at the end of Strongest Battle. Though if this is the same nemesis that Rita was sealed on, or not Rita, uh, Bandora was sealed onto, and the purpose of Nemesis as a planet is to grant the wishes of heroes every 500 years, and Bandora was sealed there for around 150 million years, that seems like a weird place to put her. But I guess maybe if, I don't know if we do this tournament like every 500 years or something, and maybe just, you know, putting her in a place where heroes go every now and then, to make sure she isn't getting out, I guess that's not a bad choice. Or if they actually met Witch Bandora while they're there, they're just like, no, I wish you would stay in that hole. <laughs> uh, but you could wish for anything. Yeah, I'm a hero. I'm wishing she would stay in that hole. She's terrible. Have you seen what she, like, when she's just like, cry harder, baby? She just picks up a baby and's like screaming at it. That's terrible. She's, I wish she would stay in that hole. Because otherwise, she's just like, she's just making like Saban Rita, you know, pushing over, pushing open the seal, just, ah, after 500 years, I'm free! Time to conquer Earth! And like, look, I know it was 5,000, but clearly in the Power Rangers universe, those heroes wished for something else. Like, there was a hero who wished for a sandwich. And they're just like, what are you doing? Wish for the witch to stay in the hole! It's fine. She's gonna stay in the hole. She's terrible. And even if she doesn't, we'll just put her back in because we're heroes. And, like, it doesn't work out good for them and they all die screaming because Witch Bandora does not mess around. It's true. Um, but either way, like, the, the ties to Zoo Ranger in particular are kind of fascinating in that, mm -hmm. one, uh, Japan doesn't care about Zoo Ranger the, we, the way we do. The only reason, like, the only time they even pretend to care about Zoo Ranger the way we do is when they want to get money from us for for power. Like, they're going to capitalize on some Power Rangers nostalgia to get the Americans' money. Um, and look, I respect that. But also, Strongest Battle doesn't really invoke Zoo Ranger by name or 
at all, really, aside from all these things that happen to have the same names. Like, they're not- no one from Zoo Ranger is on one of the main teams, or even on any of the teams. There are no Zoo Rangers in this tournament. Oh, really? No one ever draws the connection between Rita and Nemesis and Die Satan and the Zoo Rangers. Like, it's never- it's just never brought up. There's- Okay. I'm very sorry to interrupt. I'm I'm very excited because- Last episode, like, I had been like, hey, I didn't notice any of these guys there. Maybe that's because it would their magic would mess with Rita's plan. And okay, that wasn't it because Magic Ranger was indeed there. But if Zhu Ranger isn't there, that would have messed with Rita's plan. I was a, I was nearly close to being sort of right. Yeah, no, I mean, like, maybe that's why. Because she's like, well, they do have God. Yeah, literal actual Kami-sama is their giant robot. Better just leave that aside. So it's just, it's, like, it's very possible that Arakawa just pulled on the these Ranger things as a set dressing for his big crossover fanfiction for whatever reason. Maybe he has a personal fondness for it. Maybe he wrote on it. I don't remember. Um, maybe it's something for parents who were fans that could share with their kids watching it. As a means of, here's a setup for your pretend game to play Sentai with your child with all of those robots you've bought for them. Like, I can't say for certain. I don't know what was going on in anyone at Toei's mind. But it's just this very interesting narrative connection to have and then not address even a little bit. Yeah, no, not even a little. Because, like... I don't know a ton about Zhu Ranger myself. It it was like I I read recaps from some folks who made funny ones, but because the show was just not for me, it's just you know no shade if if you like it, folks. Just wasn't for me. But I knew that Die Satan had had done some pretty messed like frankly lived up to his name of being a great Satan. To just in general, like he brought back Witch Bandora's kid as like a Satan child, like Damien, and like that's that's pretty mean. You you gave Witch Bandora back her kid and then broke her heart by making it not her kid. That's mean, Satan. And then what's Satan gonna say? Like, yo, what's up? I'm the devil. Thanks, Satan. Yeah, I don't know. I think in that case, it's it's not thanks, Satan. <laughs> Thanks, but no thanks, Satan. It's thanks, Satan, in the way that's like, thanks, Obama. Oh, yeah, right. It's the thanks I hate it of thanks, Satan. But anyway, just, I will say, though, as far as excuses to just have your old Sentai come back and have a party on a different planet for your secret wars, uh, I've, I've seen worse excuses. And, like, if you're a later era Sentai fan, like, that's, you're gonna have a good time. Unless somehow you don't like uh, Tokyujer or or Gokaijer. In that case, you're, you're not going to have a good time at all. Anyway, speaking of not having a good time, let's just get into the bad stuff so that we can just nerd out about all of the Sentai fights. So, like, I'm a tiny bit disappointed that Doggy and Stinger are here on, like, undercover cop missions instead of, like, for real fighting in this. Because they're absolutely the ones I wanted to know the wishes of the most. <laughs> 
Fair. But also, like, they still needed to be invited, right? Like, you can't get here without being invited. Everyone got invited. So, like, and they were properly sorted onto teams, so doesn't that mean that, like, Rita thinks they had a wish that they'd collect the shiny rocks to get? Like, tell me what it is. I, I need that. I bet they are. I bet they are both beautiful and noble. Like, look, I, I'm sure that Stingers is like, save his brother, bring back all his people, save his planet. I'm pretty sure Doggies is just like, make my wife take, make Swan take a day off so we can get married. Like, for reals. <laughs> like, we, we're not even gonna have a big one. We're just gonna go down to the courthouse. I tried to bring the judge to her. She still doesn't have any time. We yeah, like, like, we just kind of say we're married, but like... I'd like to put it on paper, but she I just can't get five minutes of her time. So I'm not sure if Marvelous's phrasing of Ultimate Die Satan being able to destroy the universe in a snap, air quotes, was a translation choice, or if like that's kind of roughly what he said, but man, that phrasing invoked Infinity War and my guts got unhappy because I don't like Infinity War. Yeah, that's that's a big feel, though. I'm with you. Um, I mean, granted, this is so much better than Infinity War on pretty much every level for something that is roughly the same in plot of, you know, collecting some shiny rocks for ultimate power in space. Yep. Um, but part of me can't help wonder if, you know, Infinity War is a big deal right now, and Toei likes to capitalize on popular things. So, like, was that maybe what they were aiming for a little bit? I mean, look, okay, so, like, the negative take is don't remind people of something else they'd rather be watching. But the converse of that, therefore, is that if you do invoke something else from outside of what you do, make sure your thing is better. And, um, look, I'm not gonna say for absolute certain that on every level... Super Sentai's strongest battle is better than Infinity War. Actually, yes, I am. I am. That's what I'm saying. But I will say this. Uh, Narahisa Arakawa knew that it would be really dumb to make Ultimate Dice Satan the protagonist of the piece. And be like, hey, he just wants to destroy the universe. He has a really good reason that doesn't hold up if someone asked, like, two questions. Just two. Honestly, one. Thanos, look, I'm very sorry we're going to go here now. You, We brought up Infinity War. Thanos is one of my favorite villains in all of Marvel. And the movie one, the longer I think about it, the more annoyed I get. Because we could have just had a dude who's just like, no, what's up? I'm in love with the anthropomorphic personification of death. What? Also, I'm going to kill half the universe so she'll notice me. What? That's... That's actually something you can fight a dude about. And that is also really scary because that is a stupid thing to want. And he's going to kill half the universe for this stupid thing? Because he thinks it'll impress a girl who doesn't like him and doesn't want to talk to him and doesn't want to see him? Because, you know, he's the kind of guy who would murder half the universe to get her attention when, like... I mean, I've never been a lady who got the who has the attention of a bunch of hashtag nice guys, but I'm just saying, like, if someone like 
dumped a corpse at my door and said, hey, you want to go out with me? I'm pretty sure I would be unimpressed. But anyway, so then they, in Infinity War, they're like, yeah, but he's such a, he's, he's tragic and he just wants to do that, that Thomas Malthus biz. And it's stupid and bad. And honestly, the more I talk, Sono, yeah, uh, Super Sentai Strongest Battle is better than it in every way. Yeah, I don't like Infinity War, but I really like this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, did Infinity War have Captain Marvelous? No. Did and Connor that was its first mistake. That was its second mistake. I think we can rest our case. Okay, so this ain't even bad. I actually love this, but I'm putting it here because of the way that I have to phrase it. Is marvelous, you colossally dumb idiot space boy. Don't put the evil sentient helmet on your face. <laughs> this is why he I needs mean... his crew. This is why he cannot go anywhere without Joe specifically. Like, his new friends don't instinctively know that he's this reckless and stupid, so they don't know that they need to stop him. Like, you can see on their faces as he picks up the helmet and is like, hey, you guys go on, I'm gonna catch up, that they're like, what's he gonna do with the helmet? Obviously, he's not gonna put it on, because that would be stupid, and oh god, he's putting it on. Like, if the other Gokhydras were here, Joe just would've, like, smacked it out of his hands with the sword and hot-potatoed it over to Don so Don could, like, hook it up to the boat and run an analysis on it, and then he would shove a chicken leg in Marvelous's mouth so he was distracted. Like, that's what the Gokhydras are for. Yep. That is, yeah, that is 100% what would've happened. Though, again, like, I, uh, even as I agree that it is a dumb plan, it is also a dumb pirate plan, and specifically a dumb Captain Marvelous plan, which is to say it is swaggeringly brave, dumb as rocks, but so dumb it loops back around again to brave. I love it, especially seeing as this is a guy whose big plan just tends to involve smashing ships into other larger ships. I mean, you're y'all not wrong. The, y'all saw the end of Gokaiger, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how he saves the day. He slams a ship he from a guy he killed into the ship of a guy he was about to kill. That's how he do. I mean, like, I'm not gonna argue. It is 100% a Captain Marvelous plan. It is exactly the thing that I'd expect his big, dumb pirate brain to jump to. He just usually has five other people to balance his bad impulses, and these kids are not trained enough in his bad impulses to stop him quickly enough. No, it's very true. Guy, Guy, the fact that Guy has better impulse control than Captain Marvelous, or at least better instincts, yeah. says something about our boy Marvelous. Guy's impulse control just does not lean towards as dangerous things. Yeah. His plans, he doesn't have great plans, and he is frequently wrong about things, but the way in which he is wrong is not like, hey, what's up, I'm gonna put on this, I'm gonna put on the cursed helmet. I like it. Speaking of, uh, hey friends, hey, you know what it's been a while since we've talked about? How much I hate Luca. <laughs> yeah, I like, I was watching, I was watching that episode and I'm just like, wow, Sono is not going to be happy about this. I sure do hate Luca. You know, I can get past her, like, shooting the helmet off of Marvelous. 
I that fine. Whatever. That's the the way they do things. But then like he falls on the ground and she just stomps on his stomach when the dude is clearly like been dying for the past 20 minutes and just got like shot in the head. Like, hey lady, maybe freaking don't. Like, I know Marvelous kind of laughs it off, but that's some really messed up behavior. That's, that's messed up. Especially when, like, two years ago, you shot at the two weakest members of your team. Like, even Takaharu and Kagura, especially Takaharu, who I'm sure has done some stupid stuff in his life, are like, Mmm, we're rescuing that? <laughs> Are you sure? And then, like, five minutes later, she tries to punch him in the face. Like, he he says something kind of snarky at her, but her response to that is to punch him in the face. What? No, you say something snarky back at him. Like, it's been seven years since Gokaiger, and she's still like this. She had a whole arc about this in Gokaiger. And she's just still like this. This is her family. These are the people that she has stood with and who she knows will always have her back. And she just does this to them. And it's it's not even like it's someone who isn't the writer of Gokaiger writing this. This is, this is straight up Arakawa saying, yup, this is how Luka is. Because, you know, Komura wrote it in... I mean, he's, he's still writing it in Gokaiger, and I was had a problem with it then, but like, okay, Komuro is the one writing it in in Zuoger. Maybe Luca really has matured, and, you know, Komuro was just writing the broad strokes of everyone, so it was bad. But no, no, Arakawa says Luca's still like this. So I don't know, guys, maybe she's just not a great person. I mean, like, I can't argue with you, because... Uh, <laughs> she... she does kick the crap out of all of her friends and hit them a lot. So, I mean, I guess she's consistently not a great person. So, yay good writing, I guess. I mean, she's she's still her after all these years for whatever, whatever that means to someone. Don't hit your friends! I mean, yeah, look, I'm not arguing on this point. Like, <laughs> I that don't... Is indeed- I don't care if she's, like, if she wants to be the sassy one and she kind of, like, snark- And it's basically just has Marvelous's attitude and, like, gives him the same junk that he gives her. But she, like, she stomps on his guts and tries to punch him in the face. Yeah, no, it's- yeah. No, just like if she was, uh, early Q-Ranger hammy. Just busting on people all the time. Yeah! It'd still be, still be mean, but... It's, it's rude, it, it but it's less... not abusive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's less like kicking the crap out of them on the reg. It's, it's less beating your family for not doing a thing you like. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It, Luca upsets me. I had not quite understood it before, but I, I think, honestly, that implies some... Like, I had to sit down once you explained your, your beef... Because, like, once you actually explained it and I went back and watched, it's like, mm, yeah, she really does hit people. A worrying amount. And it's it's one of those things where, huh, it's interesting that I could watch it so long with a lady acting mean, 
to everyone else, and I didn't pick up that it was quite the level of uncool that I feel like I would have picked it up at if it was a dude, and that's uh, that's me having to question my assumptions. Which, like, look, that's good to do fairly regularly if you've got the time. Honestly, even if you don't make the time to question your assumptions, it's healthy. You might even come back to the same assumption, but at least you questioned it. Anyway, moving on. So I'm kind of sad that Die Satan is not still a green-screened, heavily made-up floating head. Uh, because seeing the giant spiky floating head just appear and being told it was Satan is quite possibly more terrifying than the, the entrance of any other Super Sentai final boss I've seen. I, I will put in one for uh, the, the incomplete version of the Witch Mother in... Gogo Five, like if you haven't seen Sono, you should check out Gogo Five. She's amazing. She's horrible, but you know, also a villain, so it's fine. Her like later forms, mm, but she is a great villain. But just you know, Witch Vendor being like, I'm gonna summon Satan, and it's just this floating head, just screaming. I'm like, that's terrifying. Yes. It does sound pretty terrible. Like, I've seen the, what the guy looks like. I didn't know he just entered and just started screaming. Like, I don't- I- I feel like I just remember him screaming. Maybe it was me screaming. I don't know. Look, I couldn't say. I haven't watched it, but- I mean, it's that dude, and he's screaming. That does sound freaking terrifying. Especially if it's, like, a giant head. Yeah, no, he's, like, a giant- like, he is a giant head. Like, yeah, that does sound pretty terrifying, actually. <laughs> and just because some, like, sometimes I can have a thought and not express it fully. Uh, in the as mentioned, I am putting a link to a song which is not literally about this same floating spiky Satan head, but is instead about a burning blood red head on fire. Which I don't know about y'all. That seems pretty, at least like Satan adjacent to me. Fair enough. Look, sometimes I just like to put links to weird music in the as mentioned i'm really going to miss lupot for that yeah i mean this is our platform and we can kind of do whatever we want so oh boy that's that's terrifying isn't it a little bit all that power all that responsibility all the ability to just like mess around and mess up and it doesn't it's weird not having a boss for a thing yeah anyway let's let's continue so <laughs> my my one True regret. The only thing that I'm truly less than happy about is that at no point in this did Akka Red show up, or did Yamato bring up Akka Red, or anything that would let Marvelous know that Akka Red is alive, because please give this boy his boat, Dad. Look, I will say, if nothing else, Akka Red would certainly not have let Marv put that helmet on. No, he wouldn't. He'd be like, son- Just slapped it ahead of his hand. Son, no. But I'm gonna do the thing. Son, you have a literal detective on your team. He's not a detective, Dad. He's a spy. Even better! Talk to the spy. He'll find him. He's a spy. That's what they do. I don't know why I've decided that was the Aka Red voice, but there we go. Anyway, let's, um, let's, let's move out of my bizarre choices for voices and check out the good stuff that we enjoyed in these episodes, because I feel like there was probably a couple things. Oh, there are many things. Uh, man, so much of these episodes was just for me. Um, speaking of, 
they open this episode with, you know, Stinger and Doggy. The two yeah, things boy. the two things that I personally care about most. And I just I love the look of recognition that Stinger has, like, oh, they once told me about a big dog man from another dimension. I'm sure this is him. I, mean, I don't know how did... many other giant dogmans from another dimension there are. Especially since I imagine part of it was, and he looks just like Garu, except he's got homochromia in his eyes. It's weird. Okay, but does he have his own Lucky? No, he doesn't have a Lucky. And as near as I can tell, I think he's straight. And Garu's just like, what? That seems he fake, but okay. <laughs> yeah. But, and then just Stinger's just like, well, I don't know if he's straight. He's not saying anything about that, but he does look like my boy Garu, but with the same colored eyes and a, and a haircut. So let's see. It did say he had a big coat on. Yep. I just, I still, I'm very sad that Q Ranger didn't turn out to be Doggy Kruger year one. At the same time, boy, I was happy to have that, that theory dashed on the rocks just for that crossover where he's just like, oh, yes, well, thank you for taking care of my, of like, his son or his brother. I forget what he I said. I think he said his oh, son. Yes, thank, yeah, thank you for taking care of my son. <laughs> just just that whole pit was amazing. I also love, like, Stinger and Doggy being like, what they're here for, and then, you know, Doggy's like, well, how did, how did you get here? You're from another dimension. I don't know, man, how did you get here? As though Stinger is not the one from an alternate timeline? Like, I am kind of baffled about how Stinger was able to detect this anomaly in the magnetic field of a planet that's in an entirely different dimension. But, I don't know, maybe this nemesis is in his universe, and everyone, everyone from the normal universe was brought there somehow using, you know, the ticket magic or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, since this thing is very much in the American superhero comics vein of, of crossover... It's it's just it's a singular like there is only one planet nemesis and it just exists across all realities, which is how everyone gets there, despite the fact that a lot of them have world mechanics that make zero sense together. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm assuming that like like after the Q Rangers showed up last time that if this nemesis is in Stinger's universe somehow, uh, Swan just figured out the mechanics of traveling through black holes and monitoring other universes via black holes. You know, just in case. Just that in case something like this do. happens. Because yeah. that's a very swan thing to do. So I'm going to assume this planet is in Stinger's universe, and that's what happened. I, yeah. I, here's where I just pull down the Kronk map, and just pull an inverse Kronk's like, yes, by all accounts, that makes perfect sense. Because I mean, like, you know that swan is the whole reason Doggy can just scan that text and have an algorithm that can do something as insanely complicated as fully deciphering a completely unknown language in roughly an hour, remotely, with no connection to anything. Like, he's not scanning that and sending it back to Decabase, because they can't contact anything off-planet. The Deca license can just do that. Like, what I'm saying is that Swan is the real President Hot Wings here. Now, okay, that is a fanfic crossover I want to see Toei put together. Just President Hot Wings going on about how great he is, 
and and that's why he's going to solve this problem that's on his desk, and just Swan looks up from what she was doing. Oh, that? Yeah, I solved it while you were introducing yourself. And he just looks down, and there's there's a perfectly elegant solution, and he's just, like, looking over, well, what are you doing now? Oh, uh, world peace. Really? Are, how are you doing on it? I'd be a lot farther if you'd let me get to it. Because, basically, I just want Swan to just be there poning President Hotwings, because, boy, I just want him to not... I just want him to not. Though, speaking of Doggy, I actually kind of love how, in general, Doggy is just getting to interact with all of his past crossovers. Like, you know, he's hanging with Stinger, he's hanging with Marvelous, he is the Universal Space Dad, and he's gonna take care of every single one of these dang kids. Look, some dogs, they're just dads. That's the nature of things. You can't fight it. I mean, you can, but you're not gonna win. Like, he made Bond grow up. Y'all ever see the first episode of Decca Ranger? Yeah, that kid. Decca Red. Doggy Kruger is a very good space dad. He is, he's very good at being a he dad. He will help everyone mature. It's also, it's very cute that Stinger seems to acknowledge Yamato as the leader of their team for some reason. I don't know why... But maybe it's just that he recognizes that Yamato is the only one responsible enough to be given these things that that Doggy needs to give them. I think it's that, and it's also that, like, look, you say one thing for Yamato, you say that he knows what's up when it comes to handling people who are very difficult to handle otherwise. At least if they have good hearts, but are... Uh, the actual worst. Because, look, the Zhuogers, um, how to say this nicely, they're kind of terrible. Like, as people. A little Honestly, bit. Honestly, yeah. Like, one of them is the actual worst. But I'm just saying, like, as, as difficult as they all are, Yamato wrangled them together pretty good. He does love and respect them. Which is more than I can say for me. Oh, that was me and Aleph. You should... That was... I'm sorry. That's fine if we're talking about Leo. Yeah, he... He sucks real bad. <laughs> I was very glad that they de-Leoed Sakuya. Yeah. So I gotta give the kid that plays Takaharu credit. He can pull off possessed, emotionless, evil puppet really well. Yeah, he can. Honestly. Like, the more I watch these episodes, the more I realize that kid actually learned how to act at some point and is actually super charismatic but only when he's like evil because when he was in evil puppet mode it was just like wow i can't take my eyes off this guy he's great what presence what gravitas and he's not even doing anything complicated he's just like you said he's he's possessed emotionless evil puppet guy but i'm just saying Dude should play more villains. Not shouty villains. He, They keep trying to make him a shouty boy. He is not a shouty boy. He should be like a raspy, even-keeled villain. He would do gangbusters at that. There's something about the way that he moves his head. Yeah. Like, the, the way that he moves his head from the neck when he's possessed by Geysorg. Just something yeah. about it. I'm like, dang, guy, you got it. Yeah. He does. He should... You know what he should play? Not even the full villain. He should play the right-hand man of a Sentai villain. Yeah. 
He should be like he the, should be the like Destro. the second to last guy that we've got to beat. Yeah, the one who who's very intense and has like a right. Well, no, he doesn't even have a rivalry with one of the the Rangers. They have a rivalry with him, and he's just like, "Who are you again?" And like that sort of fight. Like, like what's his name from Shinkenger? Yes, Juzo. Juzo, an amazing Juzo. Like, give him something like that. Yeah, where he... Where, like, when you finally see him trying to be smiling and happy, it's that thing where you're like, nope, don't want to see him smile. You you stop smiling. You stop that now. Because I think if, you, if he started at Evil Possessed Puppet and just went through a show as that scary sword guy... Or, you know, scary power guy. He's the guy, he's he's the dragon you have to fight before you can fight the evil wizard. He'd be amazing, especially once he busted out the grin midway through what you thought was the final battle with him. But, oh no, you have to fight him in his third form in the next episode. Anyway, that's that was probably a lot more fanfiction. But it was nice to see that kid has a niche. I wish they would let him act in it. Yeah. I mean, like, look, um, Juzo was originally the snake dude in Fies, so maybe, maybe one day. Yeah, I mean, like, I knew that, but I always forget that. (laughs) Wow, that was the same guy, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. And I mean, that guy was basically Takaharu, but in a nebulously less than good snake man? Yeah, he was a morally ambiguous snake man. At least at first. I never got past, like, I think episode 10. He never really gets evil. He's kind of just always that guy. But, like, those three are never quite good. They're a complicated group. But he was essentially that kind of character, and look where he ended up. So, maybe one day. He's Juzo or Musashi. He was great as Juzo, though, like, oh my god. Yeah, he was. (sighs) Boy, what is it about the evil ones where, like, where they're cast very well and they're very good at acting the part, and that just makes them super attractive? Yeah. Like, look, I ain't ashamed to say it, Juzo's hot. Oh, yeah. Like, super duper. Like, he's all scraggly and, like, when he's just wandering around, like, in the forest for that final fight that he has with uh, Takaru. It's like, wow, you are you really are only happy when you're about to murder someone. I have this, I'm having the strangest physiological reactions right now. Anyway, let's, my, my massive man crush on, not, no, not man crush. That implies that I'm about to do some no homo stuff, and I'm not. <laughs> I think he's very attractive, and I would like to do a kiss on him. Speaking of guys you think is very attractive... Um, okay, yes, thank you. That was a... Sono, I know it is gauche to point out a good segue. That was a very good segue! Um, so I really appreciate the small cues of Marvelous is getting attached to these people. Captain Marvelous. Because <sighs> there's, there's a lot of nuance to the way that Marvelous shows affection. Or any emotion, really. Um, yeah. And it's nice the way we've been able to watch him, if if you know what his cues are, 
make the transition from very scared about his missing teammate to these are people I can rely on to help me save my friend. We see him slowly using old shorthand for this is friend that, you know, he owes Takaharu the way he owed Doggy, so he has to save Takaharu the way he saved Doggy. And he still kind of rejects the notion of giving a pep talk, but, you know, if Yamato- he assures Yamato, like, Nah, man, if you need me to fight, I'm with you. And after how kind of frustratingly out of character Marvelous was a couple of years ago in the Zuoja special, it's comforting to see him back in the hands of Arakawa, who knows how to convey his nuance. Because Arakawa is the one who developed that nuance. And I know- Arakawa is the goat. And I know that, you know, we talk a lot, we talked a lot during Lupot about how Komura was a big part of Gokaiger and was great with Joe and Guy and wrote, you know, one of the most affecting episodes of Gokaiger. And that she was able to write Marvelous well within Gokaiger. But again, that's, I feel like that's under Arakawa's guidance. And I feel like maybe she missed some of the aspects of Marvelous and some of the point of him. And it just didn't really work out when she tried to do it by herself. No, but, you know, in fairness, you know, I, I know you're not attacking her. It, it's hard to get all the nuance in, especially if it's not your baby. Yeah. I, and on top of that, like, honestly, I'm happy to blame it on a lot of stuff that was also going on with Zhuoger, because, I mean, we've, we, we had a year to talk about it. Zhuoger was not as good as it could have been. No, it was I, not. I feel like that's fair. It was but, definitely not what it could have been. But if nothing else, I'm glad that we got Arakawa in to highlight the fact that Yamato, Yamato is always a pretty stand-up guy. Yeah, no. He's, Yamato is, is good people, and he's very interesting in the hands of Arakawa. Honestly, like, everyone is more interesting in the hands of Arakawa. I wish I was written by Arakawa. Fair enough. Um, speaking of Doggy as Ultimate Space Dad, because, you know, I have to circle back to that every Look, two to I three just minutes, had... or I will die. Look, I just had, like, two minutes just talking about how I think the guy who plays Juzo is very attractive. You are allowed to come back and be like, yeah, I really dig on Doggy Kruger as Ultimate Space Dad. Like, I feel like that's I, that's fair. So, yes, you go back to it, because also that was kind of the point of Episode 3. yeah. The way they have Doggy both visibly and audibly react to Kagura's wish being family. Um, also, a quick aside, I am 100% here all the time for Doggy Kruger making dog noises. It's my favorite thing that ever happens. Um, so when he's like, well, what is, what is this wish that you're fighting so hard for? And she's like, family. And he's just like, Ugh. he does like the Scooby-Doo, like, Rrr. It's like, very good. And that she wants to... Uh, hold on. My screen went to sleep. And there we go. And that she's wants to use her family's cooking to give the concept of family to other people who need it. Which, by the way, is a core emotional theme of Decker Ranger. And to specifically bring up using food to bring together families who are far apart, which again, 
the members of Doggy's family are currently spread across the universe because many of them are in different parts of SPD now. Like, y'all, that ended me. <laughs> These are probably the last two characters in this special that I expected to resonate with each other. Yeah, no lie. But, but uh, Doggy 2 was Arakawa's baby, and he knows the thing Doggy would respond to most is a lost child looking to bring families together. Which is not a connection I would have made, but man, that's the connection that's there. It is, and it was so good. And then they have that discussion and then bust into the Tokyujur opening as the fight gets going. Uh-huh. That that got me right in the heart guts. Yeah, look, again, I have no end of issues with Koichi Sakamoto, but I, gr- I do admit... Dude knows how to use music cues. Like, he knows when to drop the theme song in, in a way very few other Sentai and Toei Tokusatsu directors generally have been able to do that well. Yeah, and then he goes right in, going right from that to the Gokaiju opening. Mm-hmm. And that might have been a little too much for me to handle emotionally, so I may or may not have been sobbing like a child through the entire second half of the third episode. I mean, look could blame you there was a lot of good emotional stuff going on there on top of like it's it's good placement of the theme songs and the theme songs themselves are top tier opening themes tokyujer and gokaiger are some of the best they are i know i know we ranked tokyujer second and i'm pretty sure gokaiger was in the top five i i might have been third yeah it's it was definitely up there look Somehow they took a cheesy line like, let's go, let's go, Kaiger. That shouldn't work. I'm pretty sure I pointed this out when we ranked it. It shouldn't work. It is a very good theme. It's, it, it is so, so well. good. Speaking of, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this on our coverage of the first half of Strongest Battle. I love the opening for this special. <laughs> I love the Strongest Battle opening. I love that they got NOB back. And have him do it. I love. I, I, was, I love I was, his openings. I would love I if he my, did more. My partner was like, Aleph, it sounds so familiar," and I was like, "Thanks to you, Sono." I was able to say, "Oh yeah, this is the Bokenger guy," and she was like, "Yep, that's why it's good." Yep, uh, Bokenger and Gosager, and yes. I, I, God, I would oh, love. Yeah. I want him to do more openings. I love this opening. It's so good. Also, again, I gotta, I gotta give props where it's due. Sakamoto put together some amazing fights in this episode. Like, the Doggy Kagura fight just had incredible motion and camera work. And that bit of Geysor's helmet flying toward the camera from between Marvelous and Yamato, that was perfect. Yeah, it was. Again, Sakamoto does know how to do action. Credit where it's due. That that dude definitely knows how to put together a friggin' fight scene. And and I respect that. I respect that is like one of two things about him I respect. <laughs> um although okay. On the on the note of that fight, uh, specifically the, the doggy versus Kagura fight, in our last episode of Laser Knees, I made a big thing about the deniability factor in all the fights, you know, cause they have the thing where, hey, you know, your favorite didn't lose to this other character that you don't care about and or hate. 
because the character you don't care about and or hate is better than your character, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that go on. And that's that's so that everyone gets to leave looking good. That said, the Doggy versus Kagura fight came front-loaded with so many, uh, hey, we all agree that they're pretending sorts of bits. It was laden so thick with the deniability. But look, Kagura was clearly actually beating Doggy Kruger. We can, like, look, if someone wants to fight me on that, sure. There are a lot of reasons that could be out there and could be defensible even that that you could say, like, hey, you know, it, it's Kagura isn't actually the strongest or whatever, but uh, Kagura was clearly, from where I was sitting, rocking so hard, and it was lovely to see her throw down, especially... Again, because like, I was just afraid that she wasn't going to, like, they were going to make it a big thing that she can't even touch Doggy Kruger. Like, she's not anything to him. She doesn't stand a chance. And he's having to do a lot of, like, oh, you you hurt me. Oh. But they didn't do that. And I, I just, I appreciated that. Yeah, no, like, I, I love that Doggy didn't, like, heavy air quotes, let her win. Like, yes, the plan was for her to win. But he made her put up a fight. And in hand-to-hand, Kagura takes it. Were it a sword fight? Who's to say? You know, Doggy is like the ultimate swordmaster. He's on Team Swordsman. But this was a hand-to-hand fight. And he was like, Dang, girl, you're fighting hard. Like, you're fighting. And I actually, I need to work for this. Like, Doggy Kruger acknowledged her strength, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and it is proper. Because again, like, first off, there is the deniability factor where, as you said, this is not his preferred weapon. At the same time, Doggy is a man of honor. So even with deniability factor, uh, nobody can take away from him being like, okay, look, I was expecting you to fight. I did not know you would fight this hard. (laughs) Wow, okay. Come on, kid. Like, that bit where they're doing the, 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 you know, they're, they're sort of, like, locked in combat, and then we go to the black background, and it's, like, them as they are, as people instead of the suits. Like, you don't get a people instead of suits moment unless the fight is real. Though I was really weirded out by Doggy not wearing a shirt there. That was... Yeah, I don't know. Odd. It's it's weird. I mean, like, you can say, like, oh, the coat wouldn't fit under the, the suit. But also, like, how does his head get in there? Yeah, like... Which, I mean, maybe... I know that's the joke of Ranger, but... Yeah, but it's... And also, like, you could maybe say, like, look, when he's not at work, you know, he's from a dog planet, and they're all furry anyway, and they, they don't sweat, so why would he wear a coat? But it's just... It was just one of those, like... This is kind of taking me a little out of the moment, but on the other hand, like, the bare chest is how, like, really hardcore hand-to-hand fighting fighters do. So he's, you know, he's he's gotten all ripped and stripped to the waist, but she's she's still in her coat and, and like, schoolgirl uniform, whatever, her, her costume, whatever you would use to describe what she's wearing. But she is still, like, she's still laden down with not-serious fighter clothes, and she's still like, 
okay, but no, my family. I'm going to get this wish and make the food. And I appreciate that you're gonna quote-unquote let me win. I'm still gonna wreck you, dude. Because Kagra's great. She is. And I mean, like, look, Kagra has met Doggy Kruger, and that makes her one of Doggy Kruger's children now. That's true. And Doggy will always support his babies getting strong. Oh, absolutely. Like, I like, I just, I love how proud of her he is, and then he's like, man, why are you fighting so hard? For family. And, he, and he's just like, oh, yes, you are my child now. Yep. I, I accept I really, you. I really hope that later on we get another crossover and they meet, and he's just like, Kagura, it's so good to see you. Like, how do you, how do you know this small child? Oh, it's cool. She fought me to a standstill once. But she's like 14. Yeah, I know, and she fought me to a standstill. She was 12 at the time. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying, if she tells you that she is the strongest girl, you believe her. I just, again, I just, I appreciate, again, she's not even an Arakawa character. Arakawa wrote one of, a character that seems like one of his favorites, losing to a character written by someone else. That's pretty... That's pretty good. I, I don't imagine he's honestly all that precious about it, because he seems like he's very professional like that. But still. God, it's just, it's so good. It's the yeah. whole, the whole thing between them is incredible, and I love it so much. Mm-hmm. And is, like I said, cried, cried through the whole thing. Fair. As I do. Um, also, speaking of Arakawa, I can't believe that he spent all of Gokaiger avoiding the real treasure was the friends we made along the way. And now he's just like, no, but the real treasure is the friends you made along the way. Though I guess if there was a time for us as a global society to need that, now would be it. Wow, I thought I was the one who got, who took things to the dark place. Good one, Sono. I mean, to sort of, to sort of like dial it back from the, the dire version of that, I do have to say like, they did avoid it in the series proper, but at the same time, by the end of Gokaiger, the real treasures the friends you make along the way was a pretty clear bit of subtext to me. Especially given the way the show ends, but it is it is still nice to have them explicitly say, again, like you said, especially given where things are at now, that, yeah, guess what? Real true friendship is real treasure. Yeah, no, like, I feel like if Gokaiger, with the way it was framed and kind of the intensity of it for 48 episodes and you hit the end and the treasure that they were searching for on Earth is just like, nope, it's friendship. I don't think I would have been able to, like, take Gokaiger seriously. I think that no. kind of would have dragged the whole show down because I'm yeah. all for, like, the treasure is friendship. Like, it works great in Forze because that's the whole framework of the show. But, like, you know, hardcore pirates wanted by the universe, actual literal bounties on their heads, collecting the physical embodiment of the powers of all of Super Sentai. I feel like an intangible ideal as the treasure, like, it couldn't have been that. But here, it works because the entire point of this special is about Sentai coming together. So, of course, Marvelous's treasure is going to be his crew. Yeah, and, and for a crossover, you can do it, but in a thing where everyone has almost died multiple times, boy, you wouldn't want to hear, 
oh yeah, the the real friendship is the friends you made along the way. There's a there's a comic that goes around on the Tumblr sometimes that is like, hey, there's six panels, and in each panel, a member of this party dies, and then the last surviving member gets to the treasure, and the treasure is friendship. You know, all the friends you made on the way. You know, the ones who are dead now. And I'm like, that is incredibly dark, but eh, good point. Don't don't surround your intangibles with death traps. I don't know if we have any wizards or dungeon keepers in our in our listener base. Hey, if you are an evil wizard or a dungeon keeper, like put put a literal treasure in there. You know, just if like, everyone... give them five bucks too. Yeah, and yeah. You can say like, hey, you know, you, this would have been easier if you had friends. But by the way, here's this pile of gold. Or, like you said, like, at least five bucks. Well, I feel like five bucks actually would kind of suck more. There should be at least enough to get everyone back to where you came from for a funeral. Five bucks and a, and a yacht. You know, know. just something. It's, Whatever it's it just, is. It's, it's just very funny to me that, like, I spent so much of Gokaiger being like, oh god, is the treasure just gonna be friendship? And then it wasn't. And yep. now, like, they're like, oh, Marvelous needs his treasure. Oh, but his treasure is his friends. Which, you know, that's a very Bokenger moral, by the way, but... That is. Uh, you know, take your shot. So, uh, while you're doing that, we're gonna move into episode four. Which is, again, I love starting things with Stinger being adorable. And him, like, pulling Yamato aside and being like, Hey, um, I just wanted to apologize for all that, you know, running off on my own and not explaining stuff that I did. You know, sorry. Um, of habit. Because, you know, the kid knows the value of teamwork and that he probably made people worry, or at least made Yamato worry. And he's he's grateful that no one's mad at him because of it, because he knows that, you know, he messed up a lot of stuff early on with his own team by doing this. So he's just like, look, it was just a thing that I had to take care of. I didn't know where it was. I Y'all had all your stuff going on. I didn't want to get in the way of your wish, but I did have to take care of this. Like, I guess just, I appreciate that this special doesn't fall on the broad strokes of the characters that it uses and has them still learning and growing and reacting to the character arcs they had in their shows. Yeah, it Honestly, it just makes, looking back on it all, makes me wish they'd just give Arakawa another series. Like, I know that it's honestly better that they don't, because they're giving a lot of new people chances in the industry, and that's that's good, you want more voices, etc. But also, I really like Naruhisa Arakawa, if that hadn't been made clear already. I, I, like, I, I hope that it's more that he's just doing other projects on his own, unrelated to Toei's Tokusatsu series. But again, just this four-parter reminded me once again how he, how very good he can be, especially with, like, like you say, he's remembering or referencing all of these character bits from series he didn't write, which means he must have at least watched something or read a synopsis, which is more than sometimes it feels happens when crossovers are done, you know? You get a lot of, like, oh no, but this is that character in episode one of their series, but this is taking place after. What the heck, you guys? Yeah, it's, I mean, like, look, then he goes out to, you know, bust out this moment where 
Stinger's grieving over his brother and how much he he relates what's got what's happened to Rita with what happened to him and his brother and they've got his character song playing in the background. And like each of our main team got to have these big emotional moments connecting with someone unfamiliar. And I think it's really sweet that he chose to make Stinger's him trying to connect with an enemy who wants to destroy the universe. Because that's all Stinger's really ever known. Like, his universe was in ruins. He saw his brother fall to desperation for power out of fear. He saw, you know, just good person after good person corrupted by wanting to survive. So, of course, the one person in this scenario that he would really respond to is this girl who grew up knowing nothing good and not seeing any way out other than burning it all down. Seriously. Like, again, I love that they that they understood that that's what his deal is, and then they use it as a counterpoint for the villain's deal. It's It was such a good moment. A very good Super Sentai kind of thing, and also, again... A very Arakawa thing. <laughs> yes. Because it, wow. it, would, it would just be so easy to take Stinger and have him just be, like, kind of quiet and grumpy and not really liking anyone. But that's not what he's about. Stinger wants to connect with people. Stinger, yeah. like, more than anything, he desperately wants other people around him. And he wants other people to live happy lives. So he, you know, he sees this girl that's so miserable, and the reason that she's so miserable is the exact circumstances of his life. And he's like, hey, no, you don't have to be this way. Look, I'm, I'm here and I will help you. And that was so good. Yeah, it is. It really is. I, I really get, I got feels about Super Sentai. <laughs> yeah. God, I love Sentai so much. And again, this is this is kind of a hard right turn, but I gotta give it to Sakamoto. That big out-of-suit mook fight was amazing. I mean, look. Again, begrudgingly, yeah. <laughs> I, I And look, I understand the, the whys and wherefores that make it so we don't have more out-of-suit fights in series generally because you know there's there's a lot of insurance stuff i'm sure and making sure everyone knows how to fight etc 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 but i do have to say i appreciate the frequency with which sakamoto goes after an out of suit fight because honestly it adds a lot for me in selling the idea that the superhero and the face actor are the same person except this time from the face actor's side because most of the time it's the suit actor doing the work of mirroring the face actor's mannerisms. When there's an out-of-suit fight, hey, now the face actor has to mimic the suit actor's fighting style, and that's a different thing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Man, you ever think about Deno? Every every time I do, I'm just like, And how both of those dudes had to play, like, six different dudes. Yeah. And they did it. And they managed to mimic each other perfectly for all six of those dudes. 
I mean, like, sure, sometimes Takayo Seiji was not, like, there were other people who were playing the other Tauroses, but also there were times where he was definitely playing all of the Tauroses. Yeah, but I mean, like, look, if any of them are in the Deno suit, it's him. And also, all of them are in Ryotaro's body. Yep. And then there was uh, the, the form, I think it's liner form, where they're all there at the same time. And yes. he just flows in and out of them seamlessly. Man, someone sold their soul to something to make Deno happen. Yeah. I No, they, they just... And Imogene appeared out of nowhere. They said, hey, what's your wish? And, and they just said, all right, I want this show to get made. And the Imogen just said, well, the, the Imogen cursed at them a whole bunch and then said, I'll get to work. And that Imogen was Yasuko Kobayashi. Basically, yes. <laughs> oh. Man, then, then that bit where, like, they get through the mook fight and they all get in the, in the Sentai line. And Marvelous is just like, yeah, man, that's what Sentai's about. You don't give up no matter what we're fighting. Like, that's our Marvelous. That's the Marvelous that I've missed for seven years. And then you get that group henshin. Yeah, yeah. That, they, they let you know that they know exactly what is up. Because that was, that was some sweet, sweet group henshin action. Yeah. Which is very difficult to do when you have... Five people from five different shows with five completely different transformation aesthetics. Yeah, a thing that I realized during this, um, just because it was everyone and then Marvelous, mm. um, post-Gokaiger, and I think really like post-Gobusters, I think Kyoryuger is maybe the thing that got it started, was man, we sure do give people titles to go with their Sentai persona a lot more these days than we yeah. used to. Like, it's, it's definitely not, like, exclusively a new thing. No, it's, 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 you know, like, Bo Kenger, Bo Kenger did it, but it, it was, it's not a, it was not an every year thing. I don't think it was even an every other year thing in the, like, early 2000s Sentai. But the 20, the 2010s, uh, that's a thing that we picked up on and... It's not necessarily bad. No, um, no, but... It's it, actually, it, you know, it's a good way to kind of denote the different personalities and kind of the different, you know, the different gimmicks that each person will have. But it's just, you know, they're all giving their titles and then Marvelous is just like, I'm Gokai Red. <laughs> That's then, it. Move and on. And then there's Kagura. Tokyo Gogo. Tokyo Gogo. She doesn't even say it. Her voice, the, the voiceover does, and she just does the wave salute thing. Yeah, she still does the little, like, high thing, so they all, they all had, actually, no, I don't think most of them even had, like, kind of a thing that they said. Um, I mean, to Tokyo was kind of an exception in that it's kind of, yes. you know, the reverse, where the one without it is the exception to the rule, where, you know, one with it would be the exception in the pre-Gokaiger, but hers is, like, still kind of longer, because they say the name a couple times. Where Marvelous is just like, I'm Gokai Red. Yep, Move Go on. Gokai Red. And it, moving on. He had his helmet on a flag, that's it. Um, speaking of Kagura, I'm glad that she finally got to use the Tokyuger upgrade by herself. 
Yes! Oh my god! Vindication! Uh, We're, you know, we're finally, finally free. Um, But it did make me kind of sad that the upgrades in Q-Ranger were so character-specific and generally kind of lackluster for most of the team that the unicorn Kyutama is just Stinger's upgrade. Like, I know it's the weapon that they had him use when everyone was using upgrades, but, you know, at least give him, like, Pegasus or, like, Solar or something. Just something that had any meaning within the show, because Unicorn, like, wasn't a thing. It's just a Kyutama that they have. They didn't even have to do anything to get it. It didn't have a terrible personality like Pegasus did. Like, it's not something that is earned within Q-Ranger, which, you know, all of the other upgrades are. Look, all I'm gonna say is if Marvelous gets to use Guy's upgrade armor, which, honestly, I can't believe I'm gonna say this, I think it looks better on him than it did on Guy, if only because red and gold look good together. That's true. It still looks bad, but it looks better on him. It's not a good suit, but it, yeah. But, like, if they could just maybe give Stinger Lucky's coat over his armor, or his own coat, or, like, the coat that uh, Xiao Longbao's ranger form had. Just, or, or take Naga's upgrade and just give it a, a little a little Stingerness. I don't know. I'm just still mad that we never got to see everyone have an upgrade that was about their home planet. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I feel like... Stinger's story warranted an upgrade, but was too early in the show for him to get one. Yeah, and then... Because it was episode, like, 8. Well, I think it was, like, episode 12 when he... When it finally went off, and he he completed his story, and he he reconciled with, and then destroyed his brother, and then President Hot Wings showed up and completely stole his thunder. Yeah, in the middle of... in the middle of that episode. Thanks, President Hot Wings. Yeah. I mean, look, that is some three years later quarterbacking, so I should probably shut up, but I'm just still, like, give him his own upgrade. He deserves it. Like, at, at, all of all of the Q-Rangers deserve to have their own planet-specific upgrade, preferably that is related to the fact that they had, like, an, an awkward adolescence mini-arc, like, like Naga did, because Naga just had the most awkward adolescence because he was a Final Fantasy goth. Yeah, how dare they give me Echidna for, like, three episodes and then never again. It's just, it's not fair. They don't even, I don't even, like, they can't even use the excuse that I gave them anymore because now there's just, like, a million Wazes everywhere in Zeo. So, you know, the the built-in excuse that I gave that it would be a pain in the butt uh, doesn't work anymore because Watanabe Keisuke has to change costumes, too. Mm-hmm. So, I don't care. Now it's just, they should have given me more Echidna. I I have to agree. Honestly, like, the way they set her up, I kept thinking she'd come back for the end. Yeah, no, I really thought there was gonna be, like, a scene at the end where Naga and Balance are on his planet and they're talking to her about, like, she's like, oh, you really did it with the emotions, and he's like, yeah, I want to help everyone get emotions, and she's like, I hate this plan, but you're gonna do it anyway, aren't you? And he's like, yeah. Alright, if anyone gets out of hand, though, I'm going to freaking murder them. Uh, maybe don't? No, look, I, I anyway, it'd be, it'd be fun. I, I can write my, uh, Q 
rank your fanfic later. I mean, look, this is a fanfic that I've already started. Excellent. I'm not well gonna done. lie. Um, Thumbs up. Though, quite frankly, the best part of this entire special is Marvelous just calling up his big flying boat and trying to run Satan over with it. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, that's the kind of use of a non-robot Sentai machine that I like to see. I loved it in Maji Ranger. I loved it in Tokyo. I love it when Marvelous does it with the Galleon. And I assume everyone else is just on the Galleon and are like, how did we get here? Why? What is this thing that we're driving into? Don's just having a heart attack. Don's just like, oh god, what is happening? Look, all I know is that guys, that the, not guy, you know, this guy's plans tend to involve just, again, ramming ships into other larger ships. Or, in this case, into giant space satans. Because Marvelous does not have clever plans, but he has bold plans, and that's enough for a pirate. It's how he do, and I, you know, I got to see the Gokai Galleon, and yep. that's all that's I need, because I love the Gokai Galleon for reasons that I cannot even begin to explain. I because, love that boat. like, the, oh goodness, what is the, the, the front part of the boat that's sort of, like, the, the pointy bit? Like, the stick that comes out on the front? I don't I know, know boat words. Yeah, I used to know it. Whatever. I just like that it has that, but it's made of two swords. Yeah. And that's what, like, they stabbed Satan. Ultimate spit, ultimate die Satan. You know, super, super best big Satan. Like, they ran him over with a boat that has two swords on the front. That's, not for nothing, that's a pretty good way to attack a giant space Satan. Yeah, fair enough. Um... Also, busting out the Go-Ranger Hurricane, um, and then, you know, seeing all these modern heroes putting their spin on it and putting the power of all Super Sentai behind it, dividing them into, you know, five groups. Like, that was a nice touch. And honestly, I didn't expect them to bust out Go-Ranger Hurricane. Even if for a hot second I was scared Marvelous was gonna destroy the Galleon in order to use it. I, I had a pretty similar fear, honestly. I thought, like, he was going to ram Great Satan and then it was going to turn into... I think they had, like, a giant vehicle airship thing and that was going to do something. I don't Which know. Is, I was... You know, like, he's... They they hit him with Go Ranger Hurricane and he's, like, exploding and the galleon just kind of, like, turns and flies <laughs> off. And I was just scared it was going to get caught in the explosion and then it, you know, it flies off. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. And then I'm realizing, you know, like, the Gokaijers are probably on there. So... I'm sure Don is just steering. Yeah. Because that is their house. Yeah. Also, like, it's a great callback to the first episode of Gokaiger, because the first uh, sort of boss-ending move, because they didn't have a bazooka at the time, the first, like, big team maneuver they did was the Goran Hurricane. So, like, the first thing we see Marvelous do may well be the last one we see him do, and I, I kind of like that sort of circle closing. That is good. Um, so I'm still lukewarm on Reed Soldier, which is not their fault, because uh, this special was not even a little bit about them. Yeah, no. But when they do get in there and see, getting to see Green kind of like bouncing around and dancing and being goofy so that Black can duck in with a hard hit, um, that did a lot to give me 
personally, who is weak to literally that exact dynamic with those exact colors, something to latch onto for the next show. Because I don't know how I'll feel about anyone else, but I definitely want to see more of the two of them. That's my jam. Look, I will say, they at least have a character trait each, which is a good building block to start from before their show even starts. And hey, we got to see how they use their powers, which was neat. Even as I really hope that once the show starts, they calm the heck down with like the dinosaur munching on things. Because mm, I don't like it. it. It is very clunky. I, I am, however, looking forward to the show. But honestly, I think part of my problem is that the name of, of you, Soldier, it, you know, it's, it's Dragon Soldier or Dino Soldier. Even as I have defended Sentai being cops or task forces in the fa- task for says in the past, for some reason a Sentai with soldier literally in their name, it hits me weird. I mean, okay, look, I know that they aren't a part of like a standing army and that they collect souls, not that they're soldiers like that song, but I just want to know what their hook is. And I guess we're going to find out like next week. <laughs> but yeah. You know, whatever, I'm just, like, they've got souls, but does that make them soldiers? Anyway, just moving on, because I just had to make that terrible joke, and yes, the song will be in the As Mentioned. So I love Kagura, like, going down the line for high fives, and she gets the double high five from Takaharu, and gets one from Yamato, and then Marvelous is just, he just kind of smiles and doesn't uncross his arms, and is like, nah, kid, just, just go on. And, you know, Stinger gives in and gives her the one high five, and it was very cute. And I love that Stinger does give her the one high five because I feel like at this point he recognizes she's a child and he loves kids. Yeah. And then I love that, you know, as she's doing that and then running back around to Takahara to get more high fives because she knows he will, Yamato's like, nah, Marvelous, high five, we're doing it. <laughs> like, you're going to be part of this team, like it or not. Well, look, what, whatever happens, Kagura, was, like, one, Kagura's very excited and I was very happy for that because I like seeing her happy. She's a good kid. She deserves to be happy. But on average, she did get one and a quarter high fives from everyone on the team, and that's not a bad average overall. That's fair enough. Also, Aleph, we finally did it. Someone committed a crime and is gonna go to jail. Yes. She's, She's gonna do her time and learn to be a better person, and especially since... I assume using the SPD cuffs means she's just transported into SPD custody, and that means she is transported to Doggy and Swan, who are going to be her new parents. Look, I will say that if in five years there's a crossover, and we see a picture of Doggy and Swan and their new adopted space daughter Rita's Christmas card, or, like, I don't know if the Japanese do, like, the family Christmas card. It's, It's a different... I'm sure there's a cultural equivalent thereof, and I want to see that, because that would make me very happy. And look, okay, I am I just want to throw out, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, I'm very happy for all the people in Sentai lately who have been put in jail. There, I have a lot of very complicated and nuanced feelings about the nature and expression of the carceral, of the carceral state, and the application of police force overall in the real world. But in these instances where usually the way you deal with a problem is to blow it up to death, I'm much happier to see them put a little faith in civic authorities 
and and to project a good image of what civic authorities can be and ought to be in a world which serves justice. Like their job is to help people better themselves and learn how to function in society instead of again just exploding people to death. And it's just it's very nice that in in like the last once this month, once last month, we had the bad guys go to jail because, yeah, man, they got to pay their debt to society and become better people through on earnest contemplation and sponsored rehabilitation programs while they're also prevented from doing further injuries to others. Like, hey, guess what, Sentai? That's super. That's great. Hey, remember when they put the mob boss in jail? Yeah. And then the... And then... All of the Lupin Rangers' friends came in and broke the the first batch of Lupin Rangers out of his his weird safe, and then they just left him to stay and rot in jail after they saved their friends. Man, Lupot, Lupot's a good show. Ah, I man, and also thank you, Lupot, for Thief Aya. Yeah. I, like, look, God. I'm sorry, I I can't bring up that episode without thinking about Thief Aya. I am always thinking about Thief Aya. I assure you. Yeah, I look, who can blame you? I am 100% of the time that's going on in my brains. Um, so I've, I've one last thing before we kind of wrap up our thoughts on Strongest Battle as a whole. And it's that I love the implication that Marvelous just kind of leaves Luca on Nemesis for a while. <laughs> like... If y'all wanna if y'all wanna not take it that way, that's fine, but we've explicitly stated that his treasure is his friends. And Yamato's like, hey, aren't you gonna go get your treasure? And he's like, nah, it's fine. And then we cut to Luca, who's just like sitting in the basement being like, Where's my ride? I'm gonna beat him up later. And like whining about it. And then we just cut back to him just staring off into the cosmos with his new friends. Like, no, he's just gonna leave her there because she's been a jerk and stomped on his guts when he was almost dying trying to find her. He can come get her later once she's, you know, thought about what she's done. I mean, look, I will say, given given what we just talked about before this, uh, there is an argument to be made that marooning someone on a desert island is the pirate equivalent of jail. Because, like, look, I know there's also, like, Briggs... And lashings, but I'm not convinced the Gokai Galleon has a brig, and I feel like if it did, they would have converted it into, like, a room for sleeping in by now. Um, and also, I don't feel like any of the crew, except maybe Luca herself, would really be much for meeting out lashings, and I don't think they would give her that responsibility. No. So, you know, I'm just saying, like, if you think about it, they did put two people in jail to think about their crimes this episode. And one of them was Luca, which is for me. Yeah, that was, it was a gift for you personally, Sona. That was, that was my birthday gift. This episode aired the day after my birthday. Oh, happy um, birthday. That, that was my birthday gift, is that Luca just got left on a planet. And I'm, I hope it's okay to bring up real-world things in our discussion. I also saw that part of your birthday present was going axe-throwing. It sure was. Uh, my friends took me axe-throwing for my birthday, and it was very fun, and I'm weirdly good at it. You say weirdly. <laughs> Honestly, when I heard that you were very good at throwing 
a heavy bladed weapon hard enough to stick into something, I was just kind of like, uh, that tracks. Uh, I, I, it's, I only say weirdly because I've never done it before. Uh, so yeah, it is okay. apparently an innate skill. Yeah, you 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 just came to the board with a proficiency in throwing axes. So, um, you know, good on you there. That's You can embed an axe into, theoretically, not that I think you would, but theoretically, I, I feel like it must be nice to know that you can embed an axe into a, a person from at least a reasonable distance away. Yeah. Um, and they gave me part of a target with a little Bulbasaur holding some axes on it. Sweet, alright. Uh, so I gotta figure out how to mount that on my wall because it's a 2x4. So, you know. Yeah, you gotta, gotta, figure the, you gotta out... break out the stud finder for that one. Yeah, I gotta figure out how to get that one up on the wall. But well, I have it and there, I love though. it. And it was it was a lot of fun. I want to go back soon. It was a great time. Now I'm just like, I just love the thought that you're just getting to, oh no, I discovered on my birthday, I love throwing axes. <laughs> I do. I really enjoyed it. It was a great time. I'm very happy for you. That's, that is a very specific passion, and I'm not, like, I, I don't know how to make meaningful comment on it, except that I think it's cool, and I think that's a cool thing that you have learned that you're good at. Also, I wanted to put it out there that the axe is uh, a very Green Ranger weapon. That's true. That's true. Uh, it's it's very commonly uh, a Green Ranger armament. So, you know, I feel like uh, it, maybe it's, that's it's, why. It is written in the stars. But let's get to our final thoughts. Just, you mentioned your birthday, and I just wanted to say happy birthday on the podcast that we do. Thank you. So, all in all... Super Sentai Strongest Battle was a very fun romp with some very beloved Sentai members. Oh, Pretty sure. much everyone they brought back was a joy to see. Even the ones that you didn't think were going to be a joy. Because, boy, when I heard Takaharu was there, I was like, mm, must we? And then it's like, oh, hey, we. it turns out he, he learned how to act. And he, again, is a great villain. Yeah. And just, it... The whole special had all the heart of Sentai that it pulled from. Like, no surprise, Arakawa was writing it. Of course, the heart of Sentai is going to be there. But it was a nice bridge between a show that was as ambitious as Lupin Ranger versus Pot Ranger to one that feels like it may be a bit of a return to form with Ryu Soldier. I don't really know much about what Ryu Soldier is going for. I don't know the plot. I have not seen any of the face actors. I it's don't really know what it's aiming for. But it just... Having seen the suits and just something in my gut is like, this feels like a much more traditional Sentai after a very ambitious couple of years that have been shaky in the ratings. As, as I understand it, that's literally what they're going for with it. Because, like you said, the ambitious ones have been ambitious, and I feel like, honestly, have been more hits than misses. But the ratings have not been there. They wanna, they want a safe bet. Because, again, it, the they need the money, or they want the money if they're gonna keep making the thing. Yeah, like I kind of wish we had a way to bridge every show, 
though, you know, something as big as this would be impractical year to year, and getting one of these every year would kind of ruin the magic of getting to bring back a bunch of old actors and do something this fun. But I kind of wish that we had kind of a jumping off point, just something to be like, bye bye old show, here's the new one, instead of just, hey, here's the big emotional finale of this show, now it's time for new people. Yeah, no, that's that's legit. I, I honestly, I kind of wish they would just, even if it's not exactly this kind of crossover thing, like a palate cleanser or just a week off do a lot. Just just so you have that extra bit of like, okay, let's let's build that, let's build just a little distance, and next week we'll start the new thing. But you know, that said, I I have to say I wouldn't mind if we had one of these big crossover dealies every five ten years on the TV. Oh yeah, because I mean, it is hard not to feel like this was kind of a generation of Sentai having their last, what may well be their last big hurrah, like. I hope we see Marvelous again, because I think he's great, and also very handsome. But at the same time, like, they did kind of feel like they were all out of this one big chunk of Sentai time. Like you're saying, it's sort of like the, the mid, you know, mid-2010s, somewhere in there, something like that. But they're just, they're just all from this 10-year chunk, and... I think every five, ten years, we just get another mega crossover with the most recent five to ten, you know, characters from the last five to ten years of Sentai. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, just and I feel like... show up. I feel like this is kind of the modern equivalent of a Super Sentai, like a versus Super Sentai movie. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, we would do those every five years from Gal Ranger to Bokenger to Gokaiger. We would there was Gal Ranger versus Super Sentai, which was a you know hour long clip show. It's a bad movie, um, but it's not bad in the way that a lot of things are. It's just it's an hour long clip show episode. Wow. Um, and then you know Bo Kenger versus Super Sentai, which was weird. Yes, it really was. But uh, I have. A strange affection for it because the plot is so dumb and it introduces Akka Red. And then, uh, 199 Heroes, which was, you know, Gokaiger versus Super Sentai. And I just don't remember that movie. I, I'm actually very fond of that one. Uh, I, I will watch it again one day. I feel like I'm coming up on a Gokaiger rewatch, frankly. Not a bad, uh, not a bad plan. Because it's, you know, I haven't watched it since the first time I watched it. And I had only watched three other Sentai at the time. I feel like now I'm in a much better position to be watching it. And I'll watch 199 Heroes again. And maybe this time it will stick in my brain. Because, man, I have no memories of that movie. I do not know what happens in it. But I feel like this is kind of the modern equivalent of that. Even though it was not really about the Lupin Rangers or the Pot Rangers at all. It was more of Super Sentai kind of versus itself. Which I'm okay with. I'm here for it. Yeah. Again, better than Infinity War. That's the truth. I don't like Infinity War. But, you know, nonetheless, I really just, I really enjoyed Strongest Battle. 
we got to see some old friends, and it was just this utter fanfic. It was just a big, weird fanfic that they put on TV. Yep. And it was fun, and it was kind, and even, you know, the few things that I would have liked, like seeing Aka Red, but didn't get, it doesn't take away from how special this felt, because there were so many things that we did get that felt so special. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, look, not for nothing, even in things we really love there's always going to be notes we always have things we want things we don't want etc because like i think if you try and go in and be a critic you should have some ideas on how to improve things why things are good why things are bad because even things which i might otherwise be tempted to call perfect uh for example i i know that i've called common writer forza perfect on more than one occasion which uh, let's let's be charitable, is a bit of an overstatement. <laughs> it's a very good show, though. Very good. Not perfect, by a long shot. But for what Super Sentai Strongest Battle was, and what it was doing, and what it was trying to touch on, I mean, harm, high marks all around, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's also only four episodes long. For four episodes? It did pretty good! Yeah! Honestly, it did a lot better than a lot of the, the like, uh, superhero Tyson movies have done. Which, look, I have a very strong and lasting affection for them. Many of them are not very good. I mean, I feel like, honestly, a lot of members of our core team in this maybe got a little more of an arc in this than they did in their own show. Yeah... No, yeah, well, Yamato and Takaharu definitely did. Yeah, I feel like maybe Kagura did too. That Yeah, that's true. Like, I Kagura... don't really know what Kagura's goal was in in Tokyujur. Yeah. Like, like you know, Wright was... has, has this whole thing of, you know, kind of coming to terms with the fact that he has to eventually grow up. Hikari has this whole arc about learning to balance reality and imagination, and that he's allowed to have fun. And, you know, Tokadi has his whole arc about, you know, kind of learning how to interact with people, and what people can mean to him. Akira has everything. He's beautiful. Mio has has her, her arcs about learning to relate to people, and you know, what the future may bring. I don't really know what Kagura's was beyond, like, her imagination is strong. Yeah, strong. no. Where, she like, is... her, her goals about family weren't a very at-the-forefront thing in Tokyo Well, especially since most of her focus episodes were near the front end of the show before you could really talk about their goals as people because they didn't know the show they were in yet. Yeah, and a lot of her focus episodes, if I remember, are also kind of goofy. Uh, I know she has, like, one or... uh, Yeah, I know, like, early on she has one or two because she... Her goal early on is very much like, I just want to get home because I don't really understand where I am and not knowing who I am scares me. I I think the closest you could get to her was, I think it's episode... 
it, it was early on anyway. I want to say episode three. I could be wrong. Uh, where there's like the the coffin maker, shadow line guy, and she like it's it's imagination as the life urge versus Thanatos as the death urge, and it's also that's also the one where the the unfortunate design of the train where the train robot has the boner like that happens in the show and from a very like stepping way back you're like ah yes that does fit because eros is also the power of life so this is the power of love e.g in the form of sex overcoming death which is sort of also what she's doing with the power of imagination overcoming death, but boy, that is stretching it and is yeah, not exactly what I'd call an it's arc. It's just, like, a lot of her late, like, I remember her later arcs being, like, that one where she directed something, or that just, it, a lot of her later arcs were goofy, and I feel like she has a more fully realized character arc as a person who will continue to exist beyond her show. Mm. In strongest battle than she did in Tokyo. Yeah, it's true though. Like I, I want to, I want to find a way around it, but no, it's true. Which I mean, like it, it happens. It happens with everyone. It, it. There's gonna be like one or two people in every show, and I want to say it's usually the girls, and it usually is, but it's not always. Um, it happened with Spada in Q Ranger. Oh, poor Spada. Yeah, I feel like Boken Blue of the six Bokenjers is probably the one that got the shortest end of the stick. I feel like that's fair. Um, it's not, it sometimes happens to the dudes, but it very much happened to Kagura. Yeah, it happens and I feel to like, I feel like in, often. yes, and I feel like in Tokyo, like, Hikari is probably the next one up after Kagura. Like, he's kind of on the lower end of things. But, you know, it it kind of happens a lot more to the ladies. Which is just sad and frustrating. Which, and, you know, Lupot, not the one where it happened. No, surprisingly. But both of, both of those ladies were very at the forefront of that show as far as having, you know, growth arcs. Mm. And getting to become fully realized people who you can imagine existing beyond their show. Honestly, I feel like if any of them, Toma was the one that got shortchanged in yeah. Lupot. And I can kind of live with that because with what we got for Toma, like, I would have liked more background on Toma, but as a person who can go forward and continue living, he was kind of, like, 80% realized at the start of the show. Mm. So, that's fine. So, I don't know, I guess... This was a lot of fun. I'm a little bit excited for the new kids because I am interested in black and green. I'm, I'm at they least curious. They seem to have a fun dynamic. And I like when a black and green happen together and get to have a dynamic, and especially when it's that exact dynamic. Uh, so, you know, that's a thing that I want and am getting. So... We'll see how we feel about the rest of it when it happens, but at least there's that. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, and on that note, we'll definitely catch you when we have our next episode of Laser Knees. 
So for Laser Knees and the rest of the TOOL Network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sona. And don't get kicked by a horse and die.